Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Upstream podcast. I'm your host, Prema Gurunathan, Managing Director of Upstream. Upstream is a partnership between Imperial College London and Hammersmith at Fulham, aimed at turning the borough into a leading destination for the science, tech and creative industries, and with a particular mission to transforming White City into an innovation district. Episode 9 of our Discovery series comes once again from that purple box right in White City Place, and we are grateful to Mitsui Fudusan and Stanhope for granting us use of the studio as well as an engineer. Um, the Discovery series aims to shine a light and allow you to hear from the innovative organisations based in Hammersmith and Fulham. Today our guest is Nate Makabuag, founder of Mitt Wearables, a white city-based startup that is challenging the prosthetics markets through its creation of affordable, accessible and comfortable prosthetic arms. Uh, Nate is a former and relatively recent Imperial graduate and he actually gave me one of the uh, best stories about the ecosystem in White City was that he said, where else could you, you know, sit and have a, was it a five-pound burger or a ten-pound burger at White City House every Monday? And oh, uh, he God. thought, that and I thought, awesome. this is the relationship between a tech startup <laughs> and White City House in White City. Yeah, we are. they have ridiculous burgers. Yes. I'm never leaving this place. Okay, right, here we go. <laughs> Welcome, Nate. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having um, me. Could you tell us in your own words what Mitt Wearables does and what your mission is? Yeah, so um, so we build comfortable, simple prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, our mission is really simple. We just want to make assistive devices accessible to anyone on the planet that can use them. Because the sad reality is that like, even in you know 2020, mm-hmm. a lot of these devices, they're designed by a Western market for a Western market, which means 90% of people don't have like the funds to access them. They don't have the clinicians to like fit them and support them. And so people are left with nothing. Mm-hmm. Which we think sucks, so we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to fix that and increase access. Yeah. And you've got um, the old Captain Hook model and yeah. the one which you make, which is yeah. So traditional prosthetics are like this, and so their design largely stems from World War Two, so like seventy years wow. ago kind of okay. technology, like rigid plastics, um, simple, well, complicated, um, over-engineered tools on the end, but like robust ones. Mm-hmm. But the result is that very labor intensive to make these because you have to make them one at a time um and then these things on the end can be quite expensive so mm-hmm. this specific arm costs twenty five thousand pounds wow which is quite prohib- it's prohibitive for a lot yeah. of people um and then really basic things like wearing a rigid thing mm-hmm. all day every day is not the most comfortable thing yeah. so we started looking at it um essentially like how can we do this simply and mm-hmm. do this do a little bit differently make it more enjoyable focusing on making it really comfy really simple and affordable so we started looking at like clothing so just making it like flexible and soft so you like slip in and then you just like tie it to yourself or loosen it mm-hmm. so you don't have to have it bespokely fitted and then instead of having one tool on the end that's heavily engineered designed to do everything we just have like simple tools You're, like you clip in clip out of go do your task knock out of it go clip in something else so and then by virtue of its simplicity it's 100 times cheaper so that's that's now getting to the realm where we can spread this far and wide Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, um, can we just come on to how did MIT get started? Uh, by complete accident. Oh. <laughs> by complete accident. We were, so, I was at Imperial College mm-hmm. uh, doing mechanical engineering. Um, no intention to start a company. I was really not. <laughs> you know, it sounded like a lot of work and uh, it sounded like it's not something I wanted to do. I wanted to do design. I wanted to do the, those bits. Um, 
but we did a project. So you get into the student teams, mm-hmm. and um, and you you meant you meant to get in teams and pick projects that your supervisors have, have put forward. Uh, so we did that. Got rejected for all of them, <laughs> every single one. And so we had the option of either um, picking like the crappy projects that were left that no one else wanted, or making our own one. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, screw it, let's make our own one. We've just seen like three D printed prosthetics online. Obviously, like Iron Man's doing really well in cinemas. Like this could be really cool. Let's do something really fun. Um, and that was literally on that whim that we started the project. But really early on, we got introduced to um, a guy called Alex Lewis. Like literally, I love him to bits. Coolest dude in the world. Uh, he's a designer, uh, business owner, does all kinds of cool stuff. But he's also a quadruple amputee. So he was immediately in that world and he laid out the problem really simply for us. He was like, look, boys, every engineer comes to me and asks me how can they make like more advanced prosthetics and do this. And he was like, don't worry about that. Like, it's nonsense. Like, the, the main problems is that they're uncomfortable. Just make them really, really comfy. Make them really simple so that they're easy to use because complicated stuff turns out to be hard to use. <laughs> and make it affordable. Because it also turns out that complicated stuff costs a lot of money. So make it really, really comfy, easy to use and affordable. And so as four you know, young students were like, that that sounds really simple. So we started looking at really simple things that we we could understand. So all the complicated fitting, all this stuff, we didn't understand. That's why we didn't try it. What we did understand was like, oh, well, clothes seem to fit. Let's try that. Let's see if that works. Um, and it just kept on working. And then it got to the end of the project. And we had this like, by all means, like a crappy prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like really I'm disappointed with this thing it's horrible but um, you know we gave it to Alex to try it and he, he put it on and he was like guys I love this like like I would buy this um, but this doesn't like this doesn't exist like I couldn't go on Amazon and get this mm-hmm. and we were kind of like why like, <laughs> like why does this not exist it's really simple um, and so yeah we were just like we want to keep doing this we want to make this available to anyone who wants one and then just that thought process followed through like well what do we need to do that what do we need more resources, we need more people, um, and that's, you know, to, to, to do this mission, that, that's what a company is. So we, we, we founded a company to start doing it during my final year and then carried on. Okay, and this has been, uh, leads us on very nicely to the next question. You've been going for nearly three years, yeah, so am that, I right? The first thing we did was incorporate on Companies House, yeah. which I thought was the first thing you were supposed to do, but only subsequently people have been like, no, you know, you don't, people don't normally do that. But I was like, ah, oh, fine. Um, but so, so we actually incorporated right at the start of my final year of uni mm-hmm. um, and then was working on it throughout uni um, and managed to get it so that my project because everyone has a final year project mm, yep. I managed to sort of like sway it so my final year project was prosthetics so I could sort of do the company and then uh, justify it as also doing my degree yep. and sort of, sort of try and jimmy them you know. yeah sort of try and jimmy <laughs> yeah. them together it's the only way to manage time yeah. um, and that was yeah 20 17. Okay. And what is the greatest challenge? And I know there have been a number you've already named. What is the greatest challenge for the business being to date? And how have you tried to tackle it? Is oh, that, that question, yeah, there's all kinds of ones. I mean, like there's, there's really esoteric ones. Like, um, so a massive challenge for us on the design side was going from 100% bespoke prosthetics to something that, in theory, is like clothes so there's different sizes like small medium large whatever you pick your size for every other item of the body this has already been figured out like we know what shoe sizes are they're defined we know what t-shirts like they're defined when we're looking at prosthetic arm we're like right what is the size range like Mm -hmm. how many individual sizes do we have that's the right balance between having too many so we can't make that many Mm -hmm. or not enough so it doesn't fit everyone properly 
this is a massive challenge to try and invent a sizing system in a few months. Um, but now that we've done it, it's sort of you look back, it's like, oh, I can't believe that was ever an issue. But it was a massive head drain at the time to try and figure that out. And how did you do it? You d- I, I assume you did not go to any of the clothing providers who have, uh, as we know, hugely... Uh, a huge array of what is constitutes a size eight yeah. in, in different brands. So oh, yeah, we've looked it? into fit so much mm-hmm. and it gets super complicated. Well, there's no real answer. It came down to, as most things with all of this journey, it's been like thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it a lot and then just being like, you know what, screw it, let's just try this and see if it works. And and then if it doesn't quite work right the first time, you tweak it. And mm-hmm. so it's just taking that initial plunge yeah. um, of picking a sizing range that seemed to hit all our criteria and then being like, Let's try it. Yeah. And it ended up working quite well. Okay. (laughs) No, no. Sometimes, you you know, you've got to try it, as you said. Um, Now, if you go onto your website, you've got a nice little piece of media coverage. And there's one from last year where a three-year-old received a mitt arm, which I think is a bit like a mini mitt. And I was going to ask how challenging was it to fit a three-year-old, but did you actually have to do a fitting? So the fitting, um, essentially, it's the same as when you might go into a shoe shop and an attendant comes over and helps you. So it's the fitting nat for us is much more like that, where you try on one, it's like, is that is that a bit too tight? Is that a bit too loose? And if it's too loose, we'll go get the size up. Um, as opposed to with traditional prosthetics, where a fitting is more like getting a cast. If you've broken a bone, oh, it's like, okay. they mold it, and yeah. they're like, okay, we're going to take mm-hmm. it away, come back in three weeks, mm-hmm. and we'll have one made for you. So that's, that's how we're a little bit different. The The main challenge for making little ones prosthetics is just fitting everything in. So we've got different components that give like structuring, that tighten and stuff. It's just physically trying to package that on a little one's arm, especially yeah. through you. That's quite challenging. Yeah. Um, but it's good because it means once you miniaturise everything, yeah. then as soon as you scale it up, you've got loads of room. So, okay. <laughs> But presumably with a three-year-old, they will be going through a new uh, version of it every time they kind of jump a size. Yeah, yeah. It? They grow like nothing else. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they inflate in size. Um, so the benefit of ours is that because you tighten it and it's got that give, um, you can wear one of ours much longer. So you can keep one size longer because you can just adjust it up. Whereas with, again, with one that's completely rigid, mm-hmm. if you change in any real dimension, like outwards or length, yeah. it doesn't fit you anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. To be fair, it's like the parents of children, you always buy one size up. And I think with, with your yeah, mini yeah, mitt, yeah. you, can, you can kind of Grow do into that. It, yeah. Grow into <laughs> it. But we also taught... Uh, spoke about um, you know the attachments you can put on yeah uh, so what what special attachments does a three-year-old have well ki- kids are way more fun because yeah. um with adults and this is this is this is just high level sort of differentiation everyone's mm-hmm. different but adults are very much looking for function they know what they want to do and they're like i just want to do this thing give me function um and also our amputees have often lost the limb so they're looking for regaining function or something they used to do but with kids you know, who've been born that way or very young age, they haven't really lost anything. They, they've never known what it's like to have that right hand. So they can do everything we think of doing themselves. So with them, it's way more fun because it's much more about like, well, I want to add stuff. I want to do new things. I want to do fun things. So like, um, so like after the first, the first experience I had this, when we were talking to a little boy, I was asking him like, you know, oh, you know what, what, do you, what do you want? What, do you, what would you, your ideal hand do? And his mum was obviously saying like, oh, whole cutlery, tie shoelaces. And he was like, he sort of thought about it. He was like, hmm, I want laser beams. And I'm like, yes, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what you need on your arm. That's so cool. But that's the sort of differentiation. So like, we got like a Lego attachment. Yeah. That all it is, is you just build Lego onto it. Like you don't, that's it. 
There's no function other than it's H- there to has play. Has he got that one? Uh, he does, and it's awesome. <gasps> <No>! <laughs> he also has a, um, a lightsaber one. Yeah. Like, all it does is hold a lightsaber so that you can, I don't know, go around twacking your brother kind of thing. It's brilliant. It's the best thing in the world. I think you must be very popular in this house. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's popular among us as well. He's come up with the best ideas. Um, that's the fun part about children. Their, their imagination. Children's brains are just amazing. And it changes the conversation about what prosthetics have to be to something that's less like a medical device and more like this is just something you wear that's fun and cool. And, and it's just it's enabling, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah. It's, uh, there's so much to being a human that's not yeah. just daily living. It's mm. like how you feel and mm. you know, fun stuff you get to do as well. And how do most people find out about what you do? And, you know, if you've got a if you're an amputee, how do they find out about you and how do they get one of your arms? What's really good is it's a lot of word of mouth. So there's a lot of charities that are very, you know, they have a, they're cool communities and you hear about them through them. People who are using our, our arms. So we, we're just wrapping up a 50 person trial and our full arm will be available later this year. So then you'll just be able to get it off our website like a shoe. Ah. So that would be cool. Um, and people seem to find us like they either, they either saw a social media post from someone who's using an arm or um, or the charity put out a little thing and they saw it. But what we try and focus on is is not the arm itself, but what you can do with it. So like, so, so like the, the, you know, with, um, with stories of like, oh, this person did a cool painting. What did they used to do? Oh, they used a mitt. Well, they did this cool thing. That's more evocative. And that's how people seem to be like drawn to us with like, we can do this with it. And they come up with specific ideas of what they want to do. So you've got a 50-person trial and, you know, you're going to put it on the market on your website later this year, right? Yeah. Okay. So where do you make the prosthetics and what are your plans for manufacturing them on a larger scale? Because it's, you know, one is one and then all of a sudden you've got 50 yeah. and 500. How? Yeah, so we um, the we always wanted it to be really easy to make so that if we went to, say, um, you know, the Congo, you can make it in the Congo. So you're not shipping them from somewhere centralised. Because a lot of these places, it's like, the cost of shipping mm-hmm. might be the same as a month's worth of food. So it's like, that just doesn't make sense. You want to make it locally. Um, so it's really simple to make it. But so at the moment, we're making them in the UK, making them here because it's really flexible. Like we can just like go down the road and change them. For expanding, like, you know, there's so many places in China that make these kind of things at like a much lower uh, cost. Well, it used to be much bigger. Like we're, we're learning now, actually, the price is kind of comparable. Um, but yeah, so... Short answer is UK, but you can kind of make them anywhere. Mm. That would be the aim, isn't it? Yeah, make them wherever you're you're using them. Which actually brings me to my next question nicely. So where would you like MIT to be in the next year, five years and ten years? At what point are you getting your super yacht? Not, (laughs) not. (laughs) I'd make it. Oh, God, what would I do? I'd uh, probably donate it. Mm. But um, the next year, it would be good to have a really good base in the UK, as in like a good... uh, not market size as such, but like uh, lots of interactions with users, like lots of people part of our community that we're sort of servicing in the UK. Um, five years, we want to be in, uh, you know, across borders and across income brackets as well. So it would be really cool to do something um, in somewhere where the income's a little bit lower and it's harder to, to get things traditionally. Um, but then after that, you know, say 10 years, we want to be in different product categories as well. So, I mean, at the moment, we're just starting with arms, but this principle works for everything, for like fingers to legs, to you know, to everything. We want to be expanding it because um, arms is only one part of the people, you know, the, yeah, the, the of course, total yeah. amount of people with limb loss. Okay, thank you. Um, 
we're going to the fun part of this. Oh, gosh. I okay. mean, to be fair, it's always been fun talking <laughs> to you. But um, now this is the rapid fire round. Oh, so, okay. Uh, right. No thinking, just Let answer. Me okay, okay yeah, right. ready. Yeah. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, off. Okay, Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. Haribo's or hula hoops? Haribo's. Uh, climb up a mountain or jump from a plane? Jump from a plane. It's because everybody's lazy. Um, <laughs> what's for dinner tonight? Oh, probably nothing. I, I rarely eat dinner. It's really oh. bad. Okay, right. Okay, not good. Um, would you rather <laughs> cuddle a baby panda or a baby penguin? Baby penguin comes with a towel. <laughs> panda. All right. Okay, thank you. That oh, I want a panda now. <laughs> I, panda. I sponsor a panda. You can sponsor a panda if you want. Oh, okay. Right. So on that rather strange note, yeah, uh, thank you so much, <laughs> Nate. You so it's much been really you. enlightening and fun talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me.